Welcome to this week's Treasury Career Corner podcast, where I interview treasury professionals about their treasury careers. Each and every week, I talk to them about how they've built their careers, where they are now, where they see both themselves and the treasury profession going to next. Let's get on with the show. In this week's show, I'm joined by Ramez Sabawi, the treasurer at Saudi Aramco Total Refining and Petrochemical Company, SATORP, as they call themselves. They're the largest state-of-the-art refinery in the Middle East and across Asia, with a refining capacity just approaching 500,000 barrels. But as I say, each and every week, I'll get Ramez to explain that a little bit later in the show. He's also the head of corporate risk and investments. We've just been talking before the show. He's got an incredible story, 20, over 29, 30 years, you know, traveling the world, moving through different industries, different geographies and really proves that Treasury really does take you on this international, global Treasury career path, which is, as I said to Ramez, one of the reasons I love talking to you Treasury guys each and every week. Enough from me, as always. Ramez, take us back, if you would, and how you got started in your career, and and then you discovered the world of finance and Treasury. So back to you. Finance and Treasury was always a real passion for me since my university years. I started basically my, my real real step in my professional career in London in the early 90s, where I started in banking industry, actually. How come? In my- <laughs> how, did, how did you start in banking? Banking was, was always a passion. Even during my, my university years, I used to train in, with one of the banks during the summer holidays. So I always had something for banking, definitely. This is where I started, actually, in banking. And it was a great step going forward uh, when I shifted my career to Treasury that basically the banking industry, in in my opinion, gives you a very broad opinion about all things to do with with financing, with uh, corporate relations, how to actually initiate corporate relationships, give you uh, the fundamentals of the financing when it comes to corporate finance, trade finance. And this is what I did in the bank. And also, we, we did a lot in banking in London, you know, trade shares, and we, we did a lot of pre-export trade for oil. So, I mean, I, I managed a lot of customers in different industries. This gave me a very solid base, basically. For the people listening, you, that was for Europe Arab Bank. And, you know, I like to ask people about that because obviously then you got into your treasury and some of the corporates yeah. you work for. Europe Arab Bank, you know, with that role... Obviously, given your background, you know, maybe even go back a little bit. You're actually an Australian citizen by birth, but you've got this international flavor to you as a person. Can you explain that for the listeners? And then let's go into Europe Arab Bank. Yes, I am an Australian citizen. I, I had my education in Australia. My family had been in Australia since the early 80s. Originally, we came from Jordan. I had always, you know, a very rich grasp of different cultures. I do speak uh, different languages. This always helped me across the road. So you had that background, but then when you were just talking then about managing customers and things, so Europe Arab Bank, who are they, what are they, and then how did that then lead on to your other roles? I know, because we've talked about this, but, you know, again, I'm playing the role of a listener who's listening today going, hang on, where did he start? So go on, back to you. Europe Arab Bank is actually the UK-incorporated bank. It's fully owned by Arab Bank PLC. It's one of the largest private banks in the Middle East and one of the oldest. I think it's now it's around 85 years old. It has a massive network across Middle East, Europe, 
and America. My client base was not uh, only from the Middle East, but also I handled the Scandinavian area. Very big companies, big names like at that time, uh, Nokia, Ericsson, ABB. So, I mean, we had a variety of of, uh, customers we were handling. So, and we built up an excellent network. Some of the also oil companies we used to handle from the bank. A very central operation in London, uh, where we have uh, the majority of the international uh, transactions booked in London. And this gave us tremendous exposure, actually, to all kinds of different transactions, which was booked and, you know, handled uh, through our London offices. I spent there around seven, eight years, and then I moved briefly to Credit Agricole in London as well, also in trade finance, corporate banking. It was a very good experience. And then I, I moved back from London to Jordan, where I had the family links there. And then I started from there going through the treasury on the corporate side. This is where the big move happened. Uh, I started in Jordan with the Dar Group, Daryl Hendasa, one of the largest engineering consulting companies in the world. Actually, they are the sixth largest in the world. Very low profile, though. I was the head of treasury and banking coordinator for around eight years. We did fantastic work. It's a very expanding. We did a lot of expansions. We had work in Africa and Latin America and North America and definitely in the Middle East. We managed corporate treasury at that time in a very efficient way. And I started getting into treasury, uh, more or less, actually. I know that when we had our pre-call, can you describe again what the group did? And then, then actually, it was quite an interesting one. Because you'd sat the other side of the table, you knew when you were working with your banking partners what they were looking for. Sometimes they might come in and say, well, you give us this. Well, hang on, I've got this information. Oh, hang on. How do you know? To You know, you knew what were their drivers were and what their issues were. So how did that influence you in Treasury terms? I know that's terrible because I've asked you three questions at once, but I do that. Again, can you explain who the company was and how that, you know, your previous banking background gave you that advantage, would you say? Yeah, I mean, basically, Daryl Henderson is only uh, used to get involved in infrastructure mega projects, the designing, engineering and management of the project. They were not contractors. They used to rely a lot on all treasury advice and intelligence and feedback from the banking side. Uh, at that time, they had no proper treasury department as such. So, and uh, when I made the move with Daryl Hendersa, actually, I started uh, having all these treasury activities and uh, the analysis and all this done in-house. And it was actually during a time which came right time. But by that time, it's uh, banking started to limit their offering of intelligence when it comes to treasury due to regulations and costs involved. Previously, I mean, what I saw from DAR uh, before I joined them, they never had, I mean, for them, Treasury was only FX deals and just payment transfers and very, very straightforward, plain vanilla stuff. They were never involved in uh, more strategic planning, uh, balance sheet construction, how how to actually expand the, the banking relationships. So all these I managed successfully to add to my profile and uh, improve the Treasury profile at DAR. For example, I I remember that when I first started, they had credit line of around 30 million. And uh, when I left them after eight years, we had credit line with different banks, some of the major regional and international banks, uh, exceeding $200 million. The last thing I I did with them was actually to get them S&P investment rated. They kept it silent, uh, but uh, it was also um, a fantastic experience for me as well. We did it with S&P in London. So you brought that in sort of that real 
treasury rigor, but that sort of brought you on to your next role with Kuwait Telecom. Again, talk us through that move and an interesting one for you, I think, as well at the time. You know, we again, we looking back at some of my notes, we sort of it was a, a good step up for you as well. Talk us through that. It was, and it was actually an amazing opportunity for me. I was headhunted by uh, STC, who is a Saudi telecom company. Yeah. Uh, they just started their uh, new license of uh, mobile operator in Kuwait. It was a $1 billion investment for the license. And they wanted me to join as treasury director. So basically, it's, it was a green field. Uh, we established everything from scratch, from policies and procedures, uh, picking up the team, uh, creating all the procedures going forward, how we established this department. We started like we were four, only four uh, individuals across uh, Treasury and finance. We end up with more than 45 people at the end. So it was a great experience for me that to be involved in a company from scratch. We see it growing day by day. When I left uh, the company STC Kuwait, it used to be called the STC Viva, and now it's STC Kuwait. It's uh, 79%, as far as I know, is uh, owned by STC. When I left them, they were in amazing shape. We've seen a lot of challenges in the beginning, of course. You have to understand that when I first started with them, it was 2008. It was during the global economic crisis where banks basically closed all the taps. We had no source of funding, uh, very limited, and we had the limited capital at that time because it was a Miri decree company and uh, the capital was set up by the government. So the capital was never enough for our uh, expansion and for our capex. Our capex was like four folds what our capital is. So how did you get over that? I mean, was it all joint ventures or was it, you know, you were in this difficult situation? This then- is, I think it. I learned a lot from this years that basically we, we had, we reached at one point at a negative equity in the company. But basically what, what happened is, I mean, SSC at that time didn't want to expand or, or give any corporate guarantees, which is understandable. They told us, look, Guys, you have to stand up on your own. Basically, I managed how to deal with our vendors. Our main vendor at that time is Huawei, if I can mention it. Hmm. So, I mean, I had an extensive meetings with them. We managed to uh, have a deal where we actually restructured the debt. We ha- we, uh, the main debt was mainly for them because they were network uh, co- contractor. We are talking about $400 million at that time. So, I mean, we managed to have to restructure this debt with the help of ICBC to, uh, as a guarantor. And we basically, it's a vendor financing uh, transaction done in an Islamic structure. It was very unique. It, it saved us a lot of money. I mean, the rate we, we got was fantastic. And we, we never actually had to borrow from banks. We never had to put any assets as a security. We, all our assets remained uh, free of charge. So, I mean, uh, at this uh, stage, we managed to restructure the debt across uh, three years from that point. And when I left it, it was all uh, repaid successfully. And uh, I'm very happy to say that we got highly commended deal of the year from ACT, Association of Corporate Treasurers, in 2011 for for this deal. And it was a great step for, for Kuwait Telecom Company. It actually put it like a springboard. And from there on, it was a success every year. We managed to grasp more share in the market and we end up number two in the market. And by the time I left them, they had more than $150 million deposits in the banks. So you can imagine this from a situation of negative equity. 
how the turnaround was fantastic. Ramos, I just want to touch, go back to uh, stepping back for a moment. You said that they didn't have a treasury, and then over eight years you grew this treasury. And I was listening to one of my or a couple of our previous listeners. They were going back through some of the previous episodes where they're in a startup situation. It's not a startup company by any means, but it's a startup treasury. They're the first treasury person through the door, first real treasury professional. There's a finance guy. He's saying, no, we need a treasury person. Can you come in? And and he was using, going back through some of the previous episodes, lovely, we like the listener figures, but he was going through for a sort of a bit of a checklist. Now, you've come, it's brilliant. You've got the banking background, so you know what those guys want. You've got the treasury background. You've established that before. But you've come into that mega size of company and in, in a, you're starting up a treasury. What was your checklist? And what's your general checklist? If someone's listening today, you go, oh, actually, that's a good question, Mike. Yeah, I'm doing that. What would you say? Is it about, right, where's the cash or where are the exposures or where's the hedging or everything? You know, what, what, where do you start? What's the sort of the tick list, if you like? All the points you mentioned is, is very important to have them in full sight of, of when, when you start any planning to have to establish this treasury operation. But I mean, for me, my main focus was actually the banking relations. By the end of the day, I know that what other sources I have for funding from the shareholder, it was very limited. I mean, so I had to start knowing my knowledge and experience in banking. I knew exactly what banks are looking for. When they used to come and meet us and they ask questions, I know exactly what, why they are asking these questions and what sort of answer they are expecting. So, I mean, I, I built up a fantastic relationship with the banks. We had banks coming over later on to help us and work with us from not just from Kuwait, but from uh, different countries in the region, from international. Uh, we had visitors from all over the world now. Uh, once, once you know how to tackle it, because, I mean, Treasury, how I see it, Mike, is basically we are the window for the company where actually all banks look through. So we are the first point of focal point uh, between the company and the banks. If, if you manage to, to handle this relationship and know exactly how to, to deal with the banks, this will open a lot of opportunities for the companies. And this is where I feel that uh, my previous banking experience really helped me to uh, create this link between the, the banking side, the banking industry, and the corporate treasury, because there is very strong link and should be very like a natural sync and harmony between both. If you understand the psychology of both sides, you can actually manage it well. Yeah, you can match it and things. You made the move. You made a move from Kuwait. You've been very... Yeah, I, I was headhunted again after being fantastic eight years at the Kuwait Telecom Company. Uh, headhunted by Qatar Navigation called Melaha. It's a trade name. It's one of the largest uh, companies in Qatar with a commercial re registration uh, number one. Uh, they are involved in trading, uh, logistics, uh, shipping of uh, gas, all the gas uh, out of Qatar is shipped via their vessels. So it's a huge operation. You're talking about 7,000 uh, staff there. Mm. I went there as vice president, corporate finance and treasury. And I, I spent nearly two years there. It was a great experience as well. We had some challenges. Uh, during that time, we, there was sanctions issue on, on Qatar, which gave us additional challenges when it comes to finding, you know, sources of uh, hard currencies. We managed to handle all uh, our obligations in, in a very satisfactory manner. At that time, my family moved back to Australia and uh, I moved with them after a while. 
And then I, I came back to Dubai, where actually I feel I'm, I'm very linked to this uh, GCC area by that time. I started my own advisory, uh, management advisory company in Dubai. And I had a very good partnership with other advisors as well in the region. And we had an excellent portfolio of clients and we worked very well for two years where we had the COVID started, and but we still managed because we were a very small team, flexible, and we are easily, we can move around and we can accommodate all changes possible in the industry. By that time, I had a contact with Sator. And I felt that this is an amazing company, amazing name, with a very strong shareholder uh, structure. We are talking about Saudi Aramco uh, at uh, 63%, and uh, Total, uh, the mega French company, at 37%. And being treasurer for Saudi Aramco, Total is something, uh, opportunity in a lifetime, I think. And uh, it was a great step for me. I, I took it up. I've been there now for uh, seven months. We had so far many challenges, but actually we, we started doing a great work. And I'm happy to, to be able to, to create value from day one, actually. And this comment I've, I've heard a lot. I'm very proud of that. Obviously, we have a great team with us. And, uh, you know, you, you'll never be able to achieve unless you have a great team with you as well. The atmosphere in the company is fantastic. We have a great culture, very professional and actually, uh, very happy to say that uh, only last week uh, we've been uh, notified that we got an award by CFI, uh, Capital Finance International, for the best innovative project finance deal in GCC area for 2021. It's an amazing transaction we finalized uh, recently. We managed to create uh, savings across the board. And this is my opinion. This is what the treasury role should be. We're no longer just, you know, just checking and counting money coming in and out. We are now involved more and more into strategic decision making and planning and uh, creating value where we can, you know, streamline our financing in order to create savings every possible way. And I'm very happy to see that I always have this uh, idea of not, uh, you know, pushing, but basically to put the seat of treasurer in the proper place where I believe that it's more becoming more at a strategic decision-making rather than operational level. Recently, I just came back from Paris where we attended the board meeting and I was very proud to be presenting in front of the board the cash flow and liquidity mitigation presentation there. So going ahead, we are always planning to put the treasurer position in a more focused, strategic be involved in the decision-making, and this is what I believe it should be always, especially with what happened in 2008 and this global crisis. If you look at it, Mike, if Treasury had more say in such situation which errors happened, I think we'd have had better results coming out of that. Yeah, I remember, and again, that was great because he brought in one of our notes from our show before that, and, and as you said, that Treasury had a, a seat at that table, you don't think it would have happened so much. Is that right? Exactly, exactly. Especially with change of regulations and more uh, restrictions now when it comes to um, Basel III, uh, Dodd-Frank, ISO-Check, uh, IRS section, all these uh, uh, new regulations imposed on banks. It's actually uh, limited what banks can do and shifted a lot more power to the Treasury on the corporate side. Nowadays, major corporates, uh, they rely more and more 
under a treasury department, which is becoming now fully-fledged department. It used to be an offshoot from, from the accounting, basically, or the finance department. Nowadays, I think we, we earned our uh, legitimate role and our glorified position, where we actually have more risk control, more measures put in place. We are more involved into managing risk, not just within the corporate, but you are talking about geography, uh, political, international. We, we look around us and we try to protect the company from all possible risks, not necessarily what we used to do before, which is very classic, like the, only the FX rate and the interest rate. Now we are we're looking at much, much more challenges. I think the treasury role will expand and grow more in the future. This is, I, I believe it will be a, a focal point when it comes to uh, managing corporates. Uh, definitely, they'll have a seat on the board. I can see it very, very soon. Before we, uh, I want to explore that a little bit more and we'll talk as we do, you know, move from, you know, the first half of the show, we usually focus on your career and things and then some of the other views you have on Treasury, which come into that. But just, I wanted to step back to something there. You talked about Saudi Aramco being majority shareholder and then having, uh, you know, sort of a, a another shareholder and things like that. How do you, not answer the question, but some people might be con- concerned that, well, hang on, are you just beholden to them? You know, how do you deal with those relationships? Or how is your role different, if you like, if you're a 100% public company, you know, out there trading and everything else? How does that feel? You know, what's the differences for you as a treasurer? Or is it exactly the same? You know, what do you think? It's never the same when you have mega shareholders like those. But I mean, it just adds up to our skills of dealing with, like how we used to deal with banks, how we used to deal with corporate clients when, when I used to be in the banking industry. You have to know exactly how to address the shareholders, how to best use the synergy and making it work to your advantage. Our shareholders are very professional entities. They are very demanding, which is understandable when it comes to reporting and sourcing of information and exchanging all uh, information and knowledge. But we also benefit from them a lot when it comes to uh, using uh, the synergy power we have with Saudi Aramco when it comes to our th- their authority, for example, and strength to uh, procure uh, some kind of services we always combine our requirement together so we can get the best offer. So whenever I can benefit from this synergy, I, I do it. So, I mean, I don't see it as a disadvantage to have a powerful shareholder. Actually, if, if you think smartly about it, you can actually benefit from the synergy. You can benefit out of them. It's a positive thing rather than a negative. It's actually, as you say, it's more like bank relationship management, which I think is yeah, a good way to view it, so I think. Definitely. And it, it does help us when we talk with banks as well. I mean, w- one of the first points I, I can mention to banks that, look, if, uh, if you want to uh, analyze my risk, just look at the shareholder structure we have. This is an additional positive point when we discuss with banks. We all know how Saudi Aramco is with a, with a great reputation in the market. They are very financially very, very strong. Mm. Same as Total uh, with their international experience. We consider ourselves at Saturn are very lucky to have uh, such a strong shareholder structure we have. So, as I said earlier in the show, we that you know we tend to now you know we're not that far from the end of the show, but we're we're not quite there yet. When you look at Treasury, you've obviously done. You mentioned there about the ACT. You've mentioned about the different things. You've got this wealth of experience across all these different you know countries and things. Where do you see Treasury going? Where do you see the sort of 
the opportunities now as the world sort of has recovered or recovering and coming out of the final stages of pandemic? What do you see next for Treasury, as it were? I think Treasury has a great opportunity and great future because uh, basically corporates rely more on the work done by Treasury to protect itself from all potential risks, financially and, uh, you know, um, market risks, any exposures. Treasury will will be more treated as, as a, like, integral part in the management structure of any company. So definitely, I mean, a career in Treasury has a lot of future coming. And I can see in the coming few years, not very far from now, they will even have more importance on a strategic level because of what we are seeing in development in the market. As you know, Mike, now we are, we are approaching the you know this uh, cryptocurrencies uh, or this smart payment uh, structure, uh, digital banking. I mean, so all this is an extra challenges in any corporate. The treasury would be the best suited to deal with such uh, real risks coming. I wrote an article a few years ago, and you know this was post a as we came out of one of the recessions, and I said, you know, and I'll, I'll, re, I'll republish it. Actually, will the spotlight move away from Treasury as the market recovered, and will it move back towards more sales and regrowth of businesses and things? And I've got to say, at that time, I think it did. You know, I think it the the spotlight because Treasury. You know, everyone, you know, a year ago was turning to their Treasury going. Wow, tell us about the balance sheet. Where are we numbers wise? Where's the cash? And you know, everything was going on. But with, you know, I, I do think it's slightly different now. I think the Treasury has proved its worth, but again, there is still a danger that, oh, right. Now, now in the nice way, you know, nicest way, you know, they were talking to, I remember the recession, the, the, the treasurer, one of the treasurers at the time, he said to me, he said, the amazing thing was the CFO and I had a coffee every single morning and we went through the balance sheet and everything else. And he said, actually, as it changed, he said, didn't mind so much. It was then a weekly coffee. But then later on, it became a monthly coffee. And actually, Treasury became less, it was still there, you know, but it was, oh, actually, we don't need to worry so much. It was sort of a, a peacekeeper, if you like. How do you, you know, how does Treasury ensure that it doesn't go down that path, if you like, of, you know, uh, we don't need to worry anymore? I don't think the Treasury role is only valid and needed when only we have turbulence in, in the market. I think it's a, it's a long, long strategic role. Yeah. Definitely, I mean, we, we prove our value and uh, our benefit to the company on a daily basis. When we are starting now to be uh, requested to address the board directly, for example, not just the CFO will do that, but also the Treasury, because from a risk perspective, we are more aware of, of risk issues when it comes to near future and you know medium and long term risks than uh, any other body else in, in the company. So I mean uh, we are positioned uh, in a way, in my opinion, that we are better suited to address all those coming up risks. And um, Treasury, uh, I'm, I'm sure, not uh, evolved already out of their classical role. Uh, now we are uh, you know uh, adding more and more job titles and more and more uh, duties and KPIs and goals to our overall uh, department to, to ensure that we have a long-term benefit to provide the company. We will we'll never be able to just, you know, limit our role whenever we have a crisis, then we'll, we'll, uh, we'll get the Treasury involved. I think it's, uh, it's a long-term involvement. I agree. I agree. And I think just before we go, we're going to go to the LinkedIn piece where I say about putting in your LinkedIn profile, but I loved, you know, there are a couple of phrases I wrote in here about that. 
Treasury is a real window into the company. I think one of the key things, as you're referring to, there is that it's a, a two, you know, a window's two way. You know, they're you know both inward and outward, and I think that outward thing is is key. You know, will the spotlight moving away? I think it's about proving that value with Treasury. So, Ramez, we'll put your LinkedIn details in the show notes so that people can connect to you. But as they look back through your LinkedIn profile, they will see this truly global, international treasury professional that's moved through his career and everything else. And, you know, they go, oh, actually, I want to do that. Or that looks like sort of I would like to replicate that. What advice would you give to the listeners today before we wrap up today's show that what they should, you know, some do's and don'ts or what are the top tips that you would give if you like? So what would you say? I think I, I was, uh, first of all, I want to say that I was very lucky in, in my uh, professional career to uh, have such a wonderful experience across many countries, many industries as well. Uh, I worked on, uh, in banking, in telecom, in logistics, in uh, construction, gas and oil. So, I mean, I, I touch base with many industries. Basically, uh, my, my advice for people who wants to uh, pursue the treasury career is always combine a fair balance between experience and education. Nowadays, there are very specialized courses in, in treasury. They are no longer, you know, just, you know, available uh, finance or accounting, but you can have treasury-based uh, certificate. And there are plenty of uh, very high, good quality treasury certificates available globally. This will always give you the upper edge. It will refine your skills because nowadays uh, treasury is becoming more focused. It's not just a general science but it's actually uh, you have to uh, be uh, specialized maybe in hedging, in corporate finance and M&A. So, I mean, the, you will find plenty of, of courses to support your career. Treasury will always give you a better opportunity going forward because, I mean, this is a section in corporate across many industries that will, will grow and grow. And I think it will have more and more uh, important role in the future. This is, has proven me correct across 30 years. And uh, because I saw how Treasury used to be in 30 years back and how it is looked at now, yeah. uh, definitely the improvement is uh, incredible. When you first started in Treasury, I started in Treasury recruitment. You know, I saw it as this you know, very ivory towered, you know, sort of, well, and I think a few people were guilty of, oh, yeah, let's make it this special area. But now it really is out there in the business, isn't it? And that, I think that's the thing you prove through, you know, your career. Yeah, yeah, definitely. I agree with you. Yes. So amazing to chat to you. We'll put your LinkedIn details in the show notes so people can connect to you if you feel it's appropriate to have them in the network. And, you know, thank you very much for your time today. It's been amazing to chat to you as always. Pleasure, Mike. Thank you very much. Thank you, sir. Hello, it's Mike here again. I hope you enjoyed this week's show. If you did, then maybe you want to follow the show or subscribe depending on where you listen whether that's iTunes, Spotify, or another great place to listen to the show from. It's totally free and means that you'll be the first to see each and every week when we release a new show. And maybe whilst you're there, you could even leave a quick review. Reviews and ratings are among the most important metrics for a podcast to effectively rank. And as you can probably appreciate, the podcast is a lot of hard work to produce every week. It'd be amazing. Just take, say, 20 seconds, leave a quick review of my amazing guests and their great career stories. We'd really appreciate it. Thanks very much, and I can't wait to see you soon.